Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to Straight Note Chaser on Dogs by Nature. You know, the game was hard. It was a hard-fought game. We knew that it would be a physical game. That's a very good football team, I think. Uh, I think that was a great team win. That, that was all about the team. Uh, wasn't pretty at times. Wasn't perfect. Uh, I think offensively, we didn't put our defense in a great spot very often that second half. But for us to come away with a pick six and a safety, uh, I thought it was outstanding. So, great team win. Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious7. My dogs by nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious7, and you're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature Radio. It's Victory Monday for your Cleveland Browns as they take down the intruders from the Hoosier State by a count of 32-23 to move to 4-1 on the season and set up an early season bout for first place in the AFC North against the catch-up drinkers of Northeast West Virginia. Well, no one knows what the future holds. So as we bask in this unfamiliar air, we've reached out to a voice from Cleveland's past. And today we're joined in the Straight No Chaser studios by a man who came to notoriety as a longtime caller to Cleveland Sports Talk Radio. His name is Hiram Boyd, and it's truly an honor to welcome him to Dogs by Nature Radio. Hey, this is Hiram, here to talk Browns with my man at Dogs by Nature. Hiram, it's great to hear from you. Thanks for taking the time to share with us here on Dogs by Nature Radio. And for the record, Hiram can be found at Hiram Boyd on Twitter. So let's talk football. What did you think about the Stefanski and Barry hire at the beginning of this season? And was winning for the Browns as simple as having the right coaching? I like what Kevin Stefanski has done to this point. I understand just about everything that he's trying to do. I think the first thing he did when he got here was he installed some discipline into the team. By getting coaches that, you know, he, he, he liked and was familiar with. And getting players that wanted to do what he wanted them to do. I think this was important because last year we simply didn't see that under the Freddie Kitchen slash John Dorsey era. Just didn't have any discipline. Um, after two games, they had, what, 26 penalties. And after five games, the Browns had right now have 27 penalties that's a huge difference Uh, it cost them in terms of yardage it cost them in terms of uh, player development it cost them in so many ways that that it put the team in a bad position Uh, the the doors i mean the uh, andrew berry and um, stefanski thing it would have worked last year if you recall that's who majority of the front office wanted last year. But you had a stubborn general manager who 
wanted his quote unquote his guy in place. And soon we found out that his guy wasn't the answer. The problem with last year was that you had this general manager who, quite frankly, was all about himself from day one. And I don't want to, you know, dig up the past or, or you know, dig up into personal situations. But from the time he got here, he was all about himself. And if you dig it up more, you would see that he was let go in Kansas City because he was all about himself. But now we have a general manager and a head coach who... To this point seem like they're on the same page period I mean we could see that in the draft even though there was some disagreement over wills over worths some people wanted worth some people wanted wills the general manager made the call and everybody lived with it but so far this head coach is doing exactly what I personally thought he would do and maybe exceeding my expectations a little bit too Stefanski was my guy from the beginning, and he has been better than I thought he would be to this point. You know, it's something that you know when you see it. Some people can develop this over time, but I think he walked into the door with a culture-changing attention to detail, coupled with a Nick Chubb-like trait where he doesn't care who gets the credit. I think there's something special, truly special, brewing in Berea. Speaking of Nick Chubb, though, How bad do you think the team missed Nick Chubb in this Sunday's victory over the Colts? How much do you think how much do you think the team misses Chubb going into week six? Brown still miss Nick Chubb quite a bit because I mean you have one of the premier backs along with another premier back. You're going to wreak havoc on an opposing defense, especially late in ball games. So to keep those fresh guys and a guy like Dearness Johnson and and Hilliard coming on in consistently, teams have to not only honor the running game, but it also opens up the play action, bootleg action that Baker likes to do also. So they miss Nick Chubb. And like I said, having those fresh legs late in ball games is invaluable. And it helps rest the defense that needs a lot of rest at times too. In the first three games of the season, I felt like Nick Chubb did a lot of the heavy lifting and that by the time Kareem Hunt got his opportunity, it seemed like the sledding was a bit easier. Put it like that. And I think going into Steelers week, this kind of thing will be much more noticeable. (laughs) Speaking of that, you know, intelligent people are always talking about how they hate the Ravens. But for me, I can't help but hold a special grudge from the Steelers. Bunch of ketchup drinkers. What are you staring on this issue? In terms of the rivalry thing, I want to beat everybody. If you had to ask me and put a gun to my head, I would say the Ravens are the team that I dislike the most. But I don't get caught up in, you know, the rivalry aspect because, quite frankly, the Browns haven't been good enough to have a rivalry. Um, I respect both teams a lot, and I admire how they've been able to be so good for so long and this is what the Browns should strive to do in my opinion stop talking about a rivalry because you haven't been good enough and try to be like them instead of being jealous of them because they've been so good for so long and it appears to me that we could have that with the cap flexibility some really good players coming up for free agency though 
But if they draft well and keep replenishing the team like it appears that they're capable of doing, we will have our prolonged success and then be able to call it a rivalry. Hiram, you're you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I know you are. Technically. But for me, I don't, the heart hates who it hates. It does. And even if there's not a technical, you know, back and forth in terms of the wins and losses, I'm still going to feel the same about the area up north of Toledo. Just the same. So getting back to the real football, what do you think about Joe Wood's defense? How do you think the defense has performed overall? And do you think they might improve over the course of this year? My biggest issue with the team is this. There seems to be a lot of miscommunication in the back seven. It's, it is getting better, but it still seems to be some miscommunication in the back seven on where guys are supposed to line up and what they're supposed to be doing at the snap of the ball and even pre-snap. I know Andrew Sandejo is getting killed by the fans in the media in the city, but some of the things are not his fault. Some guys are blowing assignments. The assignment that in the first half of yesterday's game, he had two guys coming at him, and he had to choose one. So he chose one, and the quarterback threw it to the guy that was wide open. I don't know how you can blame Andrew Sandejo on that. The person ultimately who has to answer to that is the defensive coordinator. I see what he's trying to do. I don't always agree with what he's done in terms of scheme-wise and in terms of personnel decisions. Um, I think um, the problem is is that with the shortened off season, there we could have we could have seen that the communication problems were going to be an issue. Period. Going forward, I think the Browns need incredible help on the defensive line. I did not agree with letting Chad Thomas go. I'll say that. And keeping Porter Gustin, I think. The, and here's my reasoning. I think Chad Thomas is a good left defensive end who would allow Miles to stay on the right side, on the weak side of the of the uh, on the on the weak side of the defense on the on the defense to go up against the left tackle and stay over there exclusively. The problem with Porter Gustin in this situation is that he's a terrible run defender, and he's not a good enough pass rusher to warrant that roster spot. The other guy, Joe Jackson, I don't know why the hell he's on the line, in the, on the team anyway. He hasn't shown anything. The linebackers have haven't been as bad as as I thought they. Well, I didn't think they would be bad. I thought there would be some some hiccups because of you know the shortened off season. Going forward, also I would start to transition Sheldrick Redwine in for Sendejo because he's a true center field free safety that they desperately need. Yeah completely on board with you about Sheldrick Redwine. And you make a lot of other points about the defensive line that I hadn't really considered. The thing that was surprising to me, though, is the way that you've defended the the, the linebackers. And I actually think I agree with you about that. I thought that was going to be a much bigger disaster coming into this year. And as I watched Taki Taki and Malcolm Smith make plays, I'm like, maybe it's not as bad as we all thought it was going to be coming into this. Well, at 4-1, and one, do you think this team has reached its ceiling? And in your eyes, do they have any chance on the road in that game next Sunday in Northeast West Virginia? The way I see the Browns right now, 
to me their ceiling is about a 11 and 5, 12 and 14, 12 and 14 going forward. Um, I think this offense is going to score points on whomever, period. Now, the thing is, is that how consistent are they going to be in executing their game plan? We don't know. But the talent is there to be a very, very explosive team. And the thing that I like the most is, unlike Kansas City and unlike some other teams, they depend on their running game. So if their passing game isn't on par for that particular game they can rest and score rest the defense and score points all at the same time so this is a very big benefit of having a strong running game i know pff doesn't you know likes running games they just don't like playing running backs but running the football especially in the cold weather when games count the most and being able to play off off of your play action is going to be vital to me and is a better option than just throwing the ball 40 and 50 times and scoring a whole bunch of points because like I said when your offense is not clicking you get the double whammy of not scoring and killing your defense all at the same time other than that I see the Browns going forward uh, versus the Steelers I see them being able to do some of the some of the same things that they were able to do against the Colts. Baker, I wish Baker was a little bit more accurate in terms of missing high at times. And uh, the one interception was a no-no. But the other interception, he got hit just when he was throwing the ball. And I won't put that on him. The thing that's different from the Pittsburgh defense and the Indianapolis defense is... Pittsburgh is a little bit more, or quite a bit more in terms, they play a lot more games and, you know, a lot more games up front than what Indianapolis does. But in terms of run blitzing, both teams run blitz like hell. and But you can crush them on the back end if you get enough time and you play action fake well enough. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Jedrick Wills really struggled yesterday. And he's going against another really good ball player in Bud Dupree. So this is going to be interesting. <laughs> right. I already can't wait for the next game. Well, our guest is Hiram Boyd, longtime caller to Cleveland Sports Talk Radio since before the days of Twitter. He can be found nowadays at Hiram Boyd on Twitter. So, Hiram, before you get going, do you have any parting thoughts for us at Dogs by Nature Radio? Other than that, I like where they're going. I like the front office. I think the front office could do, and the coaching staff could do a little bit better job of, A, putting better personnel on the team and using the personnel better than what they have a little bit better. Like I said, Sheldrick Redwine should be starting. Sendejo should be playing, uh, but uh, and they need to do a better job of solidifying that defensive line, in my opinion, because there are guys out there. Other than that... I like what I'm seeing going forward, and um, let's see what happens. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Wow, Hiram, really a blast from the past to hear you here on Dogs by Nature Radio. Thanks for joining us in the Straight No Chaser studios. We hope to hear from you again real, real soon. Well, it's Dealers Week, so we're going to be hearing from the opposition position very soon. So 
Well, it's Dealers Week, and we will hear from the opposition's position coming up in the next couple of days, as well as the Sunday Morning Post getting you ready for your Cleveland Browns game day on Sunday. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I am your host, Thelonious7, on Dogs by Nature Radio. Take care and go Browns. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.